0: Thank you so much for joining us for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud is going to teach from the book of Galatians. Now let's join her in this series entitled Journey Through the Book of Galatians. This is session number six.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday School program. We're going to continue um, in our travels through uh, the book of Galatians, the, Paul's letter uh, to the churches uh, in Galatia. <clears throat> now we've been talking about liberty, uh, being free from the works of the law, free from the law. Uh, in salvation, we know that our salvation comes uh, through grace uh, by faith, our faith in the work of the cross, our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, what we, what he has been. Uh, sort of telling the the churches here at Galatia is don't be (coughs) deceived. Don't think that once you have received salvation that you then have to turn back uh, and try to fulfill the law, try to go and do what the law says to do. Because if we're going to keep the law, then we have to keep the entire law, not just the Ten Commandments, we have to keep it all. And there's no point in, and it kind of makes the cross of none effect, For us to say, okay, I accept Jesus, but then to turn from what he has given us and go back to trying to do it uh, the way that we were doing it before uh, he came. But some people kind of get a little confused when we start to talk about liberty Because then they're thinking, well, if people don't have rules and regulations, there's going to be chaos, and they're going to do anything, and then it'll be anything kind of goes. Well, that's not what it is. Our liberty in Christ does not give us a license to sin, but it gives us an opportunity to serve. Because the difference is then that we are doing what we know is right uh, because we love him and we want to please him, not because we are afraid that if we don't, we're going to die and go to hell. Now, I mean, there's a difference. And we gave the example before. If you have a married couple and the husband says to the wife, Honey, I'm never going to cheat on you because um, adultery is against the law and I don't want to go to jail. Well, that's not as comforting as what he may thought it was going to be, right? I don't want to know that the only reason you are faithful to me is because you fear the consequence of being incarcerated, right? Just like with the Lord, he doesn't want us to serve him because we're afraid that if we don't, we'll spend an eternity outside his presence. It would be better if the husband comes to the wife and says, because I love you and honor you and respect you, I won't ever be unfaithful to you. And that's the same thing with the Lord. When we serve him, when we honor him, when we keep his word, uh, when we do things to please him, if we do it because, We love him and honor him and respect him. There's a whole other level to that, not because we fear the consequence, but because we sincerely want to do something that brings him joy, that brings him pleasure. Because we are so appreciative uh, of what he's done for us. Because remember, sin was the debt that we could not pay no matter how much we tried or what we did, they would, you know, it's almost like you're trying to juggle and for every two things you'd keep up in the air, something would fall over here. And we would do our best, you know, to try to do, we, you know, I didn't lie today, I didn't steal today, but then what did I do? I did do something else. So it's like when we're focused on the more you try to do things right, uh, then there was always something that went lacking. Um, so with grace, with this liberty, we realize that we're going to make mistakes, but that's not the end of it. We're gonna live life instead of, let me not do this, let me not do that. We're gonna live life positively, which is a lot easier to do, posi- I'm not sure if that that is supposed to be there or not, positively, anyway, that may not even actually be a word, but we're gonna <laughs> live life positively instead of looking at what we're going to stop doing we're instead going to focus on what we're going to start doing. And what is that? I'm going to start praising the Lord more. I'm going to start reading the word more. I'm going to start spending more time in his presence. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me. So if my focus every day is getting closer to the Lord, then by default, I'm going to be moving away from those things uh, that I used to do before. So it's much better if we focus on where we're going instead of what we have to get rid of along the way. You'll find that the baggage just kind of falls off. You know? Kind of like if you're in an exercise program, if you're so weight conscious that every day after you exercise, you get on the scale, let me see if I lost a pound, let me see if I lost a pound. You'll get frustrated very quickly because there will be some days that you will actually gain weight. <laughs> and then you'll just wanna throw your hands up all together and just stop. But if instead you focus on I'm doing this because it's going to make me an overall healthier person, then weight loss is going to be a side effect. When we focus our lives on I'm going to spend more time with Jesus because I know when I let the Holy Spirit work in me, I become an overall healthier spiritual person, then the weight of sin falls off. It's kind of like a side effect, right? It will happen as long as we're moving toward the Lord. Now, Paul mentions the works of the flesh uh, in chapter 5. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Now, one thing, though, before we get to that, is that he tells us uh, that we should walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he also tells us that we need to love one another. We love our neighbors uh, as ourselves. And if we are loving each other, then we don't have to worry about doing wrong to somebody, right? You don't gossip on people that, you're loved, that you love. You don't take from people when you love them. When we are loving each other as ourselves, then that already will set a standard for how we treat one another. But then he lists some works of the flesh, and we've, we're all probably very familiar with these. We've, we've talked about them before. This is not all of them, because the flesh can get creative. Remember when we talk about flesh, we're not talking about our bodies, but we're talking about that old sin nature. That part of us that does not want to be in the presence of God, the part of us that withdraws uh, from God that wants to do what it does to please itself. So when we let the old man or the old nature have, its, have his way, these are some things we end up having to deal with. We're familiar with these, adultery, We all know what that is. That's when you're having relations. (laughs) Sexual relations, you're married, but the person you're with is not your spouse. Fornication is the same thing, except that you're not married, neither of you are married. So that's doing something you have no business doing. Uncleanness. This is not just having a dirty room. It's more than that. (laughs) Not just being an untidy housekeeper. Uncleanness has to do with filthiness of heart and mind uh, that defiles a person. You just kind of see the world. You just got filth. You're degraded uh, in the things that you think and and the things that you feel. Uh, It's a a little bit deeper level. Um, Lasciviousness. This is a hard word to spell. Lasciviousness also called licentiousness in some parts of the Bible, has to do with uh, debauchery, uh, sort of a wanton, uh, an, an appetite that knows no shame. When you're uh, walking in lasciviousness, you will do anything at any time, anywhere. You just don't care. When your body wants something, it wants it, you give it to it, whatever. Now, we can look out in the world and see how some people have just, because you know, sometimes you look and you think, how in the world I have no self-respect? Right, just just as animals, just whoever with whatever. Hey, what's your name? I don't even need to know. Because come on, you know. <laughs> and some people are are that way. You know, that's lasciviousness, just wanting, just giving to their appetites, whatever that appetite may be for. But they give into it with no no shame, um, no kind of self control at all. Drunkenness, we know what that is when you're drunkard not sober thinking, Um, revelings, just all kind of wild activity. Idolatry is when we put people or things before God. And that idolatry is one of those that will slip up on you if you're not careful. Because the obvious idolatry is you have a statue in your home and you bow and pray to it. The maybe not be obvious idolatry is when you put the things in your life before God. You'll spend an hour waxing your car, but not five minutes in prayer. Or, you know, you will, your house will be like a mausoleum and you don't want anybody to touch anything. This is my house. I will give up my whole, I will work two jobs to have this house, but you won't come to church for an hour in a week. Um, you will work in 80 hours on a job, but you won't do, that. those are the kind of things when you will put, and then some people, idolatry will put people before God. They will do whatever they can to please the people in their lives, but they won't do what's necessary to please God, and if those people tell them you can't have a relationship with God, not tell them you can't come to church, but they'll say you can't pray, you can't study your Bible. Well, they'll put what that person wants above what they know they need to do for God, so we need to be careful about this idolatry. Witchcraft. And this doesn't necessarily have to mean you drew a pentagram on the floor and you got candles all around. The Greek word that was translated for witchcraft uh, comes from the word pharmakia, which means well, where we get our word pharmacy. Because typically back during this time, those that were involved in witchcraft would use a lot of drugs uh, and medicines to produce the effect, that they would do potions and that kind of thing. Right, and they still do, and we still have to be careful uh, because those things will produce a drunken state uh, where you were not above, you know, not, didn't have your wits about you. And if we aren't careful, we can fall into this with our medications. You can have prescription medicine, and if it's too strong for you or you're taking too much, you can walk around in almost like a hallucinogenic state or just sort of like a, you know, a drunken drugged uh, sort of thing where you really don't know what's going on and don't have control of what's going on in your life. So we have to be careful. Sometimes we will get in our minds uh, what something is and then we'll think, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not going around casting spells on people. Uh, I'm not going around, you know, with these little chants or incantations, so I can't be involved in witchcraft. But there can be more than that when you're trying to uh, take advantage of people and make them do things the way you want them uh, to do to manipulate people. um, That can all fall under there. Those are all works of the flesh. Now, the thing that we should notice about them is the works of the flesh are what? They are focused on making me. They're like focused on self. What does self want? I'm not concerned about how this affects somebody else. I'm only focused on me. There's no giving glory to God in all of this, is there? No, it's just building up myself. What can I do to make me happy? I don't care about the consequence. I'm just caring about what makes me feel good right now in this moment. I'm not even thinking about the future me. I'm just thinking about the present me. So if you have any um, question about whether something you're doing is a work of the flesh, (coughs) Excuse me. then think about what the desired outcome is. Am I doing this so that praises will go to God, or am I doing this so that it does something just for me? All right, so works of the flesh. So Paul tells us that, he says that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now what he is not talking about is an act of sin. I'm running out of room. Okay, we're racist. He's not talking about an act of sin because for as long as we are here, we are going to have some acts of sin. We are going to realize that at some point I've spent too much time giving my attention to something other than God or to someone other than God. Maybe I've been uh, slipped into a little idolatry this week Um, or we may realize that, you know, maybe I've, you know, been, you know, drunken in a drunken, not sober state, not clear thinking state. Maybe I've been taking advantage of people. Maybe I've been manipulative, trying to get people to do what I want them to do. Or maybe I have fallen in some of these other areas. So he's not talking about an act of sin, because when you have an act of sin, you realize you've done something. There's some remorse there, and and you're feeling, and you're repentant. And you go to God and you say, I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have done that. You know, forgive me. And you try to, that's when we get back up and we get back on the path. Because we will stray off the path. Because there's all kinds of distractions along the way. And sometimes when we haven't been praying like we should, or, you know, just like in our natural body, if you just go and go and go and go and you don't get enough rest and you don't eat properly, it's not very long where you start to feel cold coming on it's usually like our first sort of thing you start to get those cold symptoms and you realize i have been running myself down and now i'm paying the price for it same thing with us spiritually if we don't feed our spirit man enough and we just go and go and go after a while he'll be drained and we'll be more prone to do you you can tell the difference and it'll be like, oh, why am I acting this way? I don't, I don't like this side. I don't like this side of me. Um, well, that will happen when we allow ourselves to be drained. We have to be careful. Now, we know when the pastor gets up and minister, he gives out, and he has to be restored. Well, the same thing with us. When we're ministering to each other, when we're talking about how like, you may be sharing the word with somebody or praying for your family, You've been up, you know, interceding or whatever, but you don't take that time to put back in, then we can be drained. And when we get drained, we're more prone to do these acts of the flesh. Okay? So he's not talking about an act of sin, he's talking about a habit of sin. What is a habit? I do this regularly. I make plans to do this, I carry them out, I put it on my calendar because I know this is going to happen, right? This is right, and you, do, you, you get so accustomed to it that you don't even think about it anymore. It becomes a habit of sin. Now, why does he say that those that have this habit of doing these things won't inherit the kingdom of God? Remember when we talked about in Romans how it says that uh, the, you know, the, the God's presence and that the fact that he exists is evident in, in nature, but that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The old nature believes uh, that I can do this on my own. I don't need God. Well, when you have a habit of sin, you are feeding that nature. And after a while, you will come to that point where you will say, there is no God. I don't need him. And once we have made that statement, are we then calling out to him to be saved. No, we're not even believing because you, you, we will get so far away from the path that you won't even believe that there is a path anymore, that there's not one necessary and that you will no longer acknowledge God and you will say, I don't need him. I don't even Even if he exists, I don't need salvation. I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't believe him. That's what happens when you have a habit of something. After a while, um, you'll become numb to the things of God. So that's why we need to be careful. You start dabbling in stuff. Just like, you know, you become desensitized. You know how they tell us now how we we become as a nation desensitized to violence because we see so much of it. If you can remember, uh, maybe like the first time you were watching a program and somebody You know, maybe even if you like to watch horror movies, well, the first time you saw something like that, it probably bothered you. You probably had bad dreams about it, whatever. But if you keep watching them and watching them, after a while, that's it's no big deal. Everybody does it, you know. Just like when you see stuff on television, some of the stuff that they show on TV now is, I mean, when when we were younger, they never would have shown stuff like that, even like the commercials. Uh, I I used to think commercials were supposed to be family-friendly. Until uh, I was watching one the other day, and I was like, oh my goodness, let's turn this <laughs> off. Well, when you start exposing yourself to stuff like that, the more you see it, the more you become comfortable with it. And the less egregious it is, it doesn't bother you. When we start dabbling in these things, you know, think about people that um, habitually have affairs on their spouse. The first time they had an affair, they were probably, you know, shaking and nervous, and what if I get caught? And I can't believe I did this. But then, after a while, they're like, "Well, that's just the way life is." They understand nobody can be faithful to one person their whole life, and some people believe that—that that nobody, that it is not possible to be faithful to one person for an extended period of time. They have a habit of sin. They don't even believe now that you can live a married life um, and be faithful. So you see how the walls will just fall down and you will embrace things and let things in. That's why we have to be careful. Now, that, you know, if you f- fall into an act of sin, if you become tempted and led away, you need to quickly get back on the path uh, so that you don't become lulled uh, into staying out there. Okay, now then he contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit when we instead allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, the Lord, he told Him he, he was going to send, uh, the Holy Spirit was going to come and be a comforter to us, and he was going to lead us um, into the understanding that we need. He's here to help us. You remember the whole thing is we're, we're cleaning ourselves. He's helping to clean us from the inside out. So we're not running around. Uh, I got saved today, let me stop everything I did uh, real quick uh, because I can't live this way. No, we're embracing the Holy Spirit and he's helping us to make the changes that we need on the inside. That's why it's so important not to judge people because you don't know what changes are going on on the inside that just haven't manifested on the outside yet. So he's making changes on the inside of us and those changes uh, will be present on the outside. All right, so oh, there were uh, several other things on that works of the flesh too, but y'all can read the list. They're, they're all in there. Okay, fruit of the spirit. Now, we can divide the fruit of the spirit. There are, the, uh, there are nine of them, and we can divide them into three categories. Those that uh, are Godward, have us looking uh, to God, the Godward as- aspect of Christian life, are right, love, joy, and peace. This is what we look to God for him to do, to bring into our lives. Now, love means the agape love. That's not the um, love that we have just, you know, for brothers like the philos or the um, eros, which we just, you know, some celebrated with Valentine's Day. Um, Agape love is that love that we read about in 1 Corinthians 13, That love that is willing to forgive others' wrongs, is willing to go that extra mile, that love that Jesus had for us when he came and died on the cross for our sins, that love that God had when he sent Jesus to die on our sins, we need God to give us that. We're not just capable of doing that on our own, right? Because we love people as long as they are worthy of love, When left to our own devices, as long as they are loving us, we can love them. But the minute they wrong us, we're ready to cut them off. Or the minute they do something we don't like, or they start associating with somebody that we don't like. Have you ever had friends like that? You can be friends with me, but you can't be friends with them. If you're going to be friends with them, you can't. I'm like, really, what? That's the way. I I didn't realize things work like that until I got in college and I had an experience like that. I don't like them, so you can't hang out with them like, what? I don't understand this kind of relationship. You don't have to hang out with him if you don't want to, but I, you know, am going to, so we need God's help, uh, for this agape love. For joy, that's more than just being happy. That is having, uh, you know, that, that feeling inside, even when things are going wrong on the outside, uh, that you still are not giving up. You still have like that inward, uh, sufficiency that you're not affected. This is like a, um, like, almost like a happiness on steroids kind of thing. Uh, because when we're happy, uh, that can change based on what goes on around us, right? But joy means that even if something is going on wrong, I'm not in despair. I know that God is still there. I know that there, he is still my, my support. He's still you know, going to be there for me. And we all know what peace is. When you can relax and you've got peace of mind, um, just that inward Feeling that everything is going to be okay. It may not be okay right now, but I know it is going to be okay. Okay, this is what keeps you from throwing yourself off top of a building when you find out you've lost your job and you, you know, are going to lose your house, kind of thing. Uh, or if you know a spouse does cheat on you and decide to leave, this is the thing that keeps you from hunting them down with a shotgun because <laughs> you've got peace that. I'm going to make it through this. It's rough right now, but I'm going to make it through this. Okay. Amen. And we look to God for those things. Okay. Um, the second group is sort of our manward aspect of our Christian life. And we have here long-suffering. This is when we have to, as we're reaching out to each other, long-suffering, gentleness, And goodness, long-suffering is patience. We have to be patient with one another because people are not going to always behave the way you want them to behave. And you can explain something to them a thousand times and they still may not get it, but we have to suffer long. Um, And all of these sort of come from love. You know, we have to be able to suffer alone with people. And why is that? Because somebody, because at some point you're going to be on the other end. Somebody's going to have explained something to you a thousand times and you still didn't get it. And you're going to want them to just be patient with me. You know, suffer long with me. Gentleness. We have to be gentle in how we treat one another. And sometimes that's a hard thing to do because people will just flat out get on your nerves, saved, unsaved, whatever, brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes when you look at them, you just think, I don't even want to look in their face. They have gotten on my last nerve. And you may feel that way, but we can't be abrasive with each other. We have to be gentle with each other. Why is that? Because we are supposed to be exhibiting the love of Jesus Christ. And he was not abrasive with us. Now, he would get a little rough with those who were trying to deceive his people, you know, to sort of whip them in shape, but he was not rough with his, right? And we cannot be like this with God's people, whether they are saved or unsaved. We may have to be forceful in how we tell people, but we always have to do it with gentleness. We have to be kind. And sometimes that is difficult to do. And you may have to say, give me just a minute, and go and collect yourself, but we must always, always be kind one to another. Goodness. We want to be good to people. That's love in action. You see somebody that needs something, and you have it within your ability to do it, do it. You don't always have to wait to be asked. Well, they didn't ask me. What? I mean, think about if you're on the receiving end. If you're on the receiving end, and you're having some problems, or you're struggling with something, wouldn't you want to know that your neighbor uh, who dwells next to you, if they had the answer to your problem, would you want to know that they would just readily come and give it and not say, well, I got it over here, but I'm going to wait till they come and ask me. Why do we want to do that? Why? Because that makes it about us when we do that. If you have the answer to somebody's problem, if you have something that they need, don't wait for them to ask you. If you know that they're in need... because Sometimes people may not realize, sometimes you don't know what you need or you don't know what to ask. You know, you, you don't know who to ask. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. And to think that there's somebody, well, I, I know what they need, but I'm going to wait till they come and ask me for it. Why would we do that? Let's show some love in action, right? Even if they're not deserving, we think they're deserving or whatever, if, there, if it's within your ability to help somebody, uh, let's do it. Okay, and these are self-word. Faith, when we are faithful, uh, and faithful to each other, faithful to God and having faith in God, our dependability. Uh, meekness, and this is not being a doormat when we're meek. This is the right use of power and authority. Some people don't know how to use their power and authority. They get a little bit of power, and it goes to their heads. Just a little bit. Like it could be you tell somebody, I want you to stand at the door and greet people when they come in. Well, they'll go all crazy and think that they own the building and they want to tell people where to come and go and you can't come in because you're not dressed right and I don't want you in it. All I said was greet people when they come in the door. Now, we've probably all seen instances of this where somebody, just a you give them a little bit of authority and they just, they think they are king of the world. And some of us have probably been guilty of this. Well, somebody gave us just a little bit of authority, you know, and you think you own the world. Amen. Meekness is proper use of that power and authority. I know that I am authorized to make certain decisions, but does that mean that I run roughshod over everybody? No. I, you know, you let people know this is where we are. Like, for instance, I, I have authority at the food bank where the bank accounts are concerned. And they always tease me about how cheap I am, and she's tight, and she's not going to let you this, and not going to let you do that. But the fact of the matter is, I know that there are certain bills that have to be paid, um, but I also realize that sometimes there are going to be other things that we have to purchase that I may not want us to purchase it, Uh, Because I think we should wait. But do I gather up the checkbooks and run them, run my house? You ain't going to get them. I'm not giving them to you. I'm the one in control of this. Y'all are probably trying to have me committed, right? You know, I have threatened to take uh, elderware's credit cards out her purse, but I've not yet done it. That would be an abuse of my authority, wouldn't it? Because sometimes I help her with her expenses. And I've, I've threatened, I was, one day you're going to put your purse down and I'm taking all those cards out of there, every single one, and we're going to pay off these accounts and close them. Well, that would be an abuse of my, I could give her wisdom in an area, but that would be an abuse of my authority to come in and take over, right? Just because, you know, she's authorized me to know about those accounts doesn't mean that she's authorized me to just control them, to take them, Okay. So we want to be careful when we have authority um, how we exercise that. We want to be meek in that. And you can get a lot more done if, you're, if you have a meek personality. People will come and ask you questions they, because they realize, well, this person knows. They will acknowledge your authority, and then they will come because they know that you will be honest and respectful of them and not try to come in and take over. Temperance. That's self-control. Now, we know that we definitely need the Holy Spirit to help us because we've already talked about how this flesh doesn't want to be controlled. But self-control means that just because Deaconess made you a big old pot of greens don't mean you got to sit there and eat them all in one setting (laughs) and not share with the rest of us, right? We have to exercise some self-control. And what that means is just because I can do some things doesn't mean it's in my best interest to do them. We have to be careful about that. Because you can, you can get, I mean, you can lose self-control. You can, you can sit at home one day and just watch TV for, a, you know, from sun up to sundown and not do another thing. I would say that that's not exercising some self-control. Now, it's good to relax, and sometimes you may wanna, you know, have an occasional day off where you just lay about and do nothing. I have no problem with that. The Saturday that I can stay home in my pajamas all day is a good day. Because they don't come around often. But if I did that all day, every day, there would be some self-control lacking in my life, right? And we can go overboard in anything. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean something that's unhealthy for you. Some people lack control in areas of exercise. Now, I was just dumbfounded when I found out that you could be addicted to going to the gym. I never had that problem. But apparently... There are some people in the world and it is a very serious thing where they go for hours a day. They're not able to exercise self-control on that there's something that's gotten a hold of them and they do it to an extreme. And anything to an extreme can become harmful to you. So we want to make sure that we walk in temperance. So those are the fruit of the spirit. Now the thing about fruit, uh, now the works of the flesh you have to work at. There's some conniving and some, you know, some things on our part. The fruit of the spirit, and we've talked about this before. I've never heard a fruit tree grunt and groan in pain as it was trying to produce fruit as long as it's in an atmosphere conducive to its production. Now, not all fruit grows in every place, in every atmosphere. So you got to make sure in order for these fruit to grow in your life, you have to be planted in an atmosphere uh, where the right ingredients are, you know, where the Holy Spirit is able to work in our lives. So if, it's, if you're not seeing these fruits, then you may want to ask yourself, am I where the Holy Spirit can nurture these things so they can grow in me and after and other than being in the right place there's nothing else the tree does is it as long as it is planted where it can get the proper nutrients it just exists and the whole process of you know the little flowering and then the the fruit and then that fruit falls off you know for the benefit of those around it because that's what this fruit is for the benefit of those around us and then it goes through the whole process again Now, if you see a tree, like my poor little plum tree in my yard, that it started producing less and less fruit, and in the past year or two, it hadn't produced any. Well, is that the tree's fault? Nope. There's something over there that tree is not getting. And if I knew about that sort of thing, I'd go over there and try and figure it out. (laughs) I pruned it one year. That didn't help. There's something growing on it. I think it's probably diseased. But there and again, other than saying, I sure wish somebody did something about that tree, I haven't done anything. And so it won't unless there's something done to it. Now, we can, you know, get in a state where the Holy Spirit is not able to work in us because of what's going on around us. And if we don't allow the Lord to prune us or to help us, then we'll be like my poor little tree just dead. Everything around it, other stuff is living, but that tree, I guess, is just dead. It doesn't produce anything. So if you're not seeing the fruits produced in your life, then you need to pray and say, Lord, what is going on? What's hindering the process? What am I, is there something about my atmosphere uh, that is not conducive to the Holy Spirit producing this fruit in me? Because it's not something that we have to do. I don't have to make it happen. It's not my plum tree. It doesn't have to make it happen. I'm the caretaker for the plum tree. So I'm the one who was supposed to be overlooking to see. So if this fruit is not happening in your life, then we pray and ask the Lord, okay, you're my caretaker. What's going on? You know, have I? am I in the wrong place? Am I doing the wrong things? Am I hindering the Spirit from producing these fruit in my life? Okay, we're out of time. and We didn't even get to chapter six. So... We will do a little bit of Chapter 6 last uh, next week. We'll, we'll cover Chapter 6 and do some reviews. So we'll have to drag this out uh, one more week. I appreciate your patience. All right, thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday School program this morning. Uh, and you are dismissed.
0: We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter And subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more, right there at KingdomRock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.